Welcome to a new episode of the Geopolitical Puzzle. In this episode, my guest is Jabad Kapoor, an Iranian professional based in Tallinn, Estonia. Jabad Kapoor is a climate and energy expert. His experience spans sustainable energy and geopolitics, energy security, and natural gas technologies. Kapoor has worked for the Office of the Vice President of Science and Technology of Iran as an expert in energy markets for five years. Currently, he's a part of the Climate and Energy Program at the Stockholm Environment Institute in Estonia. In this episode, we discuss about the impact of the deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia with the support of China and its repercussions in the Middle East. Dear Jabad, how are you? I'm good. Uh, how are you? I am doing well. Jabat, it's a pleasure to have you today in, in this episode for my new podcast, The Geopolitical Puzzle, to discuss interesting topics related to energy, gas, oil in the Persian Gulf and the Middle East. Jabat, we know that both regions are very volatile, you know, the Middle East and the, and the Persian Gulf. And we know there are two critical key players. One is Saudi Arabia and another is Iran. I would like to ask you, why are Iran and Saudi Arabia important when we talk about energy? Uh, so first of all, uh, thank you for having me today. And it's a pleasure to be invited uh, by this podcast. And definitely this is a very important topic that uh, you are pointing out, uh, especially because... Uh, uh, not just because always there has been some energy geopolitical issues in the Persian Gulf, but also because uh, even though we have Ukraine war as one of the very important uh, geopolitical issues in the in the world, but still uh, Persian Gulf and uh, the um, interactions between Iran and the United States over there, and then of course we have Israel and all the other uh, transregional actors. Uh, there has been always the, the importance of uh, this region in the news. And uh, yeah, this is uh, something I, I don't expect uh, it's going to go down in the news uh, in the near future. So as you pointed out, uh, we have uh, two important actors in the region, Iran and Saudi Arabia. I can argue from three different perspectives that uh, why these two in particular are important. Uh, first of all, historically, uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia are known as uh, the founders of uh, the Organization for Petroleum Exporting Countries, the OPEC. And uh, even though there has been critics on the OPEC, uh, either it is uh, irrelevant or influential um, or inactive in two sides, um, actor in the oil market, nevertheless, we have still OPEC and uh, it has some decision and we can still see that how a decision by OPEC can impact the global oil market. And then, uh, not just this, uh, but within the OPEC, we have had uh, two, um, two sort of actors known as the 
uh, hawks and doves, those uh, who uh, who uh, support higher price or uh, supporting higher share. So uh, higher share is protected by Saudi Arabia and then Iran is always one supporter to higher uh, prices. So even in inside the OPEC, we have had this sort of interaction and headed by Iran in one side and Saudi Arabia in the other side. Uh, then if we focus on the uh, statistics, uh, statistics shows that uh, uh, Saudi Arabia is the second um, reservoir uh, owner in the world. Um, almost 16% of the total world oil is uh, concentrated in Saudi Arabia. Just uh, in one case, we have the biggest uh, oil field uh, in the Persian Gulf in the territory of Saudi Arabia called Qawar oil field. Or for Iran, it's uh, almost 10%, a bit less than that. But uh, yeah, to simplify it, it's 10% and Iran is the fourth uh, uh, reservoir owner in, in the world. And then the third reason is uh, basically Iran's role in uh, controlling uh, the Strait of Hormuz. We know that how tensions again has been escalating uh, in the, in the uh, Hormuz Strait recently. So the United States uh, has its uh, fifth fleet, uh, Navy fleet in the uh, Persian Gulf region located in Bahrain, the, the uh, island. And uh, traditionally, especially after the UK withdrew from uh, Persian Gulf region back to 1950s and uh, early 60s after the Suez Canal uh, crisis. I don't want to go to the very, very details. So uh, then gradually we know that the U.S. Uh, replaced there. And still, even though there has been uh, arguments uh, that the U.S. Uh, presence paradigm has changed or has been changing uh, technically in the Persian Gulf, but still it's the U.S. Uh, who is... Uh, from the Western side in, in charge of uh, guaranteeing the free flow of oil in one side in the Persian Gulf and the other side, technically, Iran is in charge of controlling the Strait of Hormuz. So even though that Iran is uh, being sanctioned uh, by the U.S., I mean, the oil export uh, is, is now under the sanction after uh, Donald Trump walked away from JCPOA, the nuclear deal, but, but still, because of Iran's role in the region, uh, I think it's it's very crucial uh, player in the Persian Gulf region. So based on these three uh, arguments, I think that these two are the most important ones. Let's focus a little bit in, in Iran. The country has problems, let's see, with inflation, probably the sanctions that you mentioned right now, the controversial nuclear problems, etc., and so on. What is the main challenge Iran is facing today in terms of energy? Well, this is again another uh, critical question. And uh, I would uh, say that we can divide these sort of challenges to two uh, forms, the external ones and the internal one, the domestic issues. Um, so uh, the, the energy intensity, first of all, from the very domestic perspective in Iran is uh, a bit high. And uh, even the, the CO2 intensity, meaning that the, the amount of uh, CO2 that is released uh, based on for, for producing $1 um, added value, $1 actual GDP, let's say, uh, is uh, a bit high. Iran is among the 10, uh, top 10 emitters 
in the based on the indicator of CO2 uh, intensity, and then on the energy intensity as well. So we have, uh, in a nutshell, we have the uh, in energy inefficiency in Iran, which has been accelerated by different factors. Uh, I can say like the energy price, like the mismanagement, like the uh, um, uh, flawed structure, managerial structure. So all in all, this makes it uh, always not so easy to uh, manage the, the energy system in Iran. We know that uh, in the recent years, Iran has uh, some difficulties in managing electricity market balanced in uh, summertime, especially because it becomes very hot. And then in the winter, it's the story of uh, natural gas. Uh, although uh, Iran is uh, known as the second uh, biggest natural gas owner in the world, um, so it's, it's kind of surprised then to see that Iran has uh, some problems on this. But uh, from external perspective, uh, it's definitely the sanctions. So uh, after uh, Islamic Revolution in uh, early 1979, uh, then we had uh, the, the first crisis uh, between Iran and the United States uh, uh, occupation of uh, the, the American embassy in, in, in uh, Tehran, which is known as the uh, Tehran crisis. And then you know that how gradually the sanctions by the United States started to be imposed against Iran. Of course, shortly after that, uh, we had Iran-Iraq uh, uh, war, which uh, initiated by Saddam Hussein. And then for eight years, Iran's infrastructure have been uh, bombarded by by Saddam Hussein and under the Ba'ath regime. Shortly after that, when Iran wanted to actually have um, uh, the, the development of its economy, especially based on its uh, oil, gas, and petrochemical industry, uh, it faced with uh, the uh, first significant uh, uh, investment sanction in Iran called the uh, Iran-Libya Sanction Act later, which wanted to, by, by the United States, wanted to reframe uh, any sort of investment in Iran oil and gas industry uh, up to $40 million, which was then extended to $20 million, which uh, these sort of numbers are almost nothing. This is this is not a big money. So technically, it meant by that time that uh, uh, Iran... Uh, Iran intention for attracting foreign uh, uh, investment was uh, highly limited by by the United States, and this sort of sanction has have been extended year by year. I don't want to go to the detail. Yeah, yeah but your answer uh, leads me to talk about a third player, China. First of all, it's important to mention that on March 6, the 2023. After seven years of hostility and conflicts between Iran and Saudi Arabia, they agreed to end this, this conflict and restore relationships with the support of China. What is this deal about it? What are your thoughts why China is involved in these crucial countries in the region? That, that's uh, true. Uh, we have had such uh, an important event uh, which 
made many scholars surprised, to be honest, uh, because it was somehow unexpected. At least uh, it was going on uh, without any prior significant signal. So um, if I claim that uh, many people did not expect such a thing happening in the uh, midst of all the tensions between Iran and Saudi Arabia, it's, it's not far from the truth. Uh, but I would like to mention here that before that, uh, during the previous uh, presidency time in Iran, during Hassan Rouhani's time, uh, Iran signed an agreement uh, with a long-term agreement with China, which the details uh, have not been revealed uh, to the media. There has been some estimations that uh, what can be inside, but anyway, uh, this has not uh, been officially uh, confirmed by Iran or mm-hmm. nor China. So I see uh, this uh, event, I mean, China's role in mediation between uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia in line with uh, previous China's activities in the Persian Gulf region for extending its uh, investment and uh, mm, approaching to Saudi Arabia in one side and uh, on the other side uh, to, to Iran, definitely. Uh, because, again, it's not far from truth to, to yeah. claim that China has been, right. uh, if not uh, the biggest, but uh, obviously one of the biggest winners uh, out, uh, out of the sanctions uh, by the U.S. against Iran, uh, because mm-hmm. then Iran inclined more and more to, to China. So for having the mediation, for having this authority, uh, technically the, the one who is the mediator should have uh, uh, influence and footprint in both sides. And uh, then I think uh, if we consider this, it's not a, a surprise, uh, I mean, regardless of the time, uh, how China was the, the only one uh, who could uh, facilitate the resumption of relation between Iran and uh, Saudi Arabia. There has been some claims, again and again, uh, estimations by scholars saying that uh, technically China wanted to uh, be uh, assured that uh, if uh, they put uh, investment in Saudi Arabia in particular, due to the role of Iran in uh, on, on Houthis in Yemen, for instance, uh, it's not going to be affected. So uh, it, it was a win-win uh, deal for, for all the three countries. So China can be assured that uh, its investment uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, which is, I think, not so comparable with its investment in Iran, is not going to be jeopardized by uh, Iran over there. And we can see as a testimony for that how actually the tension in Yemen uh, has been uh, going down after this deal. But again, I should uh, emphasize that uh, not much has been released uh, out of uh, the, the details of this uh, deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Javad, speaking about geopolitics, what implications could China's presence have in the region? You know, because you have mentioned Yemen, we have Israel in another side, we have the, all the monarchies around the, the Persian Gulf. But speaking specifically in energy industry, what is the implication of China's presence there? Yes, it it, uh, definitely depends on our perception out of China's play and role in the Persian Gulf. Um, 
some believe that uh, China uh, will at some point turn to a security player uh, and security actor in the region. But uh, what we can see uh, so far is that China tries to prioritize its um, energy and economy in a wider sense uh, interest in the region. This will uh, bring some repercussion, meaning that if the relationship between China and Iran are tightened more and more, then definitely we can expect that Iran's resilience against the sanctions uh, by the West uh, would uh, be strengthened in one side. In the other side, uh, this is true about uh, the China and Saudi Arabia relationship that uh, it's, it's beneficial for both sides in a sense that Saudi Arabia will diversify its uh, energy partners and then it can uh, have higher freedom of action against its traditional allies, uh, in particular the United States. As we can see even that, for example, Biden tried to approach uh, Bin Salman and uh, the king in order to convince them shortly after uh, invasion of Ukraine to to increase uh, uh, the oil production. But then uh, technically somehow Saudi Arabia refused, if not officially. So there has been even some uh, ideas if uh, Saudi Arabia at some point would uh, uh, be convinced to to sell uh, oil in in yuan. This hasn't happened technically, but uh, anyway, I think that uh, China's higher presence in the Persian Gulf will have uh, repercussion not just for the region, but also for others, in particular the traditional allies like the United States. I, I totally agree with you. You know, this global power competition is always present among many countries, but in this particular situation, it's mm, more complicated. Let's extrapolate this situation, you know, this trilateral agreement, Saudi Arabia, Iran and China, to Ukraine, to the conflict in Ukraine. Will this deal have any repercussions in the Ukrainian-Russia conflict, in your opinion? Uh, well, uh, I see it uh, mostly an indirect uh, uh, repercussion, and uh, I can um, see a testimony like uh, Saudi Arabia's uh, role in mediation uh, in uh, the Ukraine war that, that happened just very recently, as we can see that in uh, Jeddah there was just the summit between different parties, of course, uh, Russia was not invited there, but this happened uh, almost shortly after the time that uh, President Zelensky had uh, a meeting with the uh, Arab summit. In my perspective, again, back to my uh, previous answers, this uh, deal uh, was a guarantee to Saudi Arabia that uh, to attract more and more China's uh, investment over there which will directly uh, empower Saudi Arabia and give it, uh, gives it a higher uh, role in uh, not just in the energy market, but also in the uh, political uh, atmosphere. I think if like 10, 15 years ago, it was not that much imaginable that somebody like Saudi Arabia can play as a mediator in um, trans-regional conflicts like in Ukraine. But we, we see it, of course, uh, I cannot descend it just to the energy, but obviously if we consider how oil revenue and energy industry has a role in uh, Saudi Arabian national economy and then in a broader perspective, uh, it's, it's national po power, 
then we can argue that this is uh, technically helped Saudi Arabia as a piece of uh, the bigger puzzle that Mohammed bin Salman wants to to pretend uh, and uh, to show Saudi Arabia as a big uh, player, not just in the region, but also even beyond. Worldwide. Oh, I see. Javad, you are a researcher and a specialist in energy who knows the region or the Middle East region very well. Let's talk about energy, security, or stability. Just we talk about Europe, right? I have in my hands right now a very important paper from the, um, the European Council on Foreign Relations. They talk pretty much what Saudi and Iran deal means for the Middle East and Europe. And one of the page mentioned very interesting, said, the deal opens doors for Europe to enhance its own regional influence in support of this goal. Europeans will not be at you know, uh, enormous players in shaping a political and security agenda in the Middle East. But they can reimagine the ideas to settle and gain from this deal in terms of cooperation. So in your opinion, you are living in Europe, how should the European work uh, to protect this kind of energy security or stability related to this deal? Uh, well, uh, that's a, a kind of million-dollar question. Um, I wanted to start uh, with a background, uh, opening a background on what's going on on the energy side. Uh, there has been reports uh, arguing that after the inva Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, European Union, due to its policy for replacing uh, Russian oil, uh, has adopted a policy to... Uh, import more oil from the Persian Gulf region and on top of all, uh, Saudi Arabia. So I think this shows that at least for a while, until uh, I mean the time that uh, the uh, EU's uh, initiative for uh, the, the energy transition and decarbonizing its economy, uh, which will result in much lower share of oil, until that time, until we, we see it uh, in a very tangible way, uh, EU has to uh, think more carefully about its relations with uh, um, petro states in the Persian Gulf region. Uh, but the point is that as we started, or even in our discussion, that Saudi Arabia and Arab states of the Persian Gulf uh, are in one side, but on, on the other side, we have Iran, and then it will be too naive if we think that uh, right, because right now European Union is not importing any oil from Iran, then it's, it's independent and it doesn't need Iran. Because as I mentioned, on top of different uh, factors, Iran's control on the uh, Strait of Hormuz is uh, something which will not cha be, be changed by uh, the sanctions. And then if we focus on Iran side, I mean the Iran-EU uh, relationship, right now now I see uh, the EU is uh, in a uh, strong and, and a fierce dilemma because in, on one side, uh, as I mentioned, EU has to deal with Iran. But on the other side, between Iran and EU, there are um, some, some important issues, including the Iran's nuclear program, which we can see that how uh, EU has... Uh, has, has 
almost lost its uh, position and place in playing as a mediator in between uh, the United States and uh, Iran on, on the other side. Even just as a, a point in the fringe, uh, I can say that at, at some point after uh, President Raisi came into power uh, for for a time, it was Russia who was playing as the mediator in between, and uh, we, we could see it. Uh, so uh, back to my main argument between the two sides, we have the nuclear program, which uh, I feel EU has uh, almost gradually lost its uh, place. Then there is the missile program. Of course, there is the uh, Iran-Israel tensions, which EU always tried to, to mediate or to play a role. Uh, and then uh, very recently, we have two other additional factors. One is uh, the, the political instabilities in Iran. Demonstration happened last year. And uh, we have had the, the strong lobbies of uh, Iranian in Europe uh, on uh, European Union leaders, they are asking uh, the, the leaders to stop dealing with uh, Islamic Republic in, in Tehran and to limit that. So now I think that uh, European Union cannot omit this uh, this role and this power. And on the other side, uh, something uh, I can claim as a heresy in the, in the political sphere happening, and that's uh, Iran's role in the Ukraine war. Uh, there have been reports claiming that Iran is uh, supplying uh, Russia by drones. Iran has its own, I mean, the Islamic Republic has its own narration out of the whole uh, story. I, I'm not going to go into the details, uh, who is right, who is wrong. But anyway, there has been these reports and, and EU has to deal with this. So it's, it's a very, very strange uh, dilemma for the EU that it cannot neglect it, but uh, it, it has to also consider Iran's role in the region and to find a solution, a, a, a medium solution in between how to protect its uh, uh, interest, uh, especially energy interest uh, coming from the Strait of Hormuz. Maybe in a nutshell, the best thing is that if EU leaves uh, the communication channels open and uses uh, the, the public diplomacy in order to uh, gradually decrease the, the potential of tension with uh, Tehran and the, to have uh, to adopt a strategic patient policy in order to see how the situation will be evolved in the future, but but not to do something very, very strong or uh, not so reasonable in order to increase the tension. I see. An interesting point to observe will be the dialogue between these regional actors, right? So, Jabat, is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation? Well, I think I've already shared uh, what I wanted to say, uh, but uh, to as a follow-up to the last question, I want to say that uh, uh, Persian Gulf cannot be uh, omitted, cannot be neglected um, on the pretext of any other sort of uh, tension or political event going on, either it's in the Far East in between Taiwan and China or in Ukraine war or even 
some domestic issues like the upcoming election in the United States or uh, Euroscepticism in Europe, cri- immigration crisis whatsoever. And uh, this this is not just about the oil uh, or gas or energy. Um, that the, the whole region has been uh, had the, the, a significant and a crucial role. And uh, if the EU, on top of uh, and among other actor, wants to have a strategy for itself, it's important to have a holistic, comprehensive uh, perspective to include all the players, not just uh, focusing on one side like GCC or Iran. So Exactly. I totally agree with you. Javad, I would like to say thank you so much for being my guest. This information that you share with us is crucial to understanding this very, very, very challenging situation regarding energy in the Middle East and the Persian Gulf. Yabat, where people can contact you? Well, first of all, thanks again from my side as well for having me for this uh, interesting conversation. Currently, I'm uh, working at Taltec, Tallinn University of Technology, uh, the law department doing lectures, doing research, and uh, my PhD. Um, so they can they can find me there. And also at the same time, I'm working at SEI Tallinn, the Stockholm Environment Institute, uh, or office in Tallinn, Estonia. Uh, although I should, uh, as a disclaimer, uh, say that uh, whatever I shared was my personal opinion, not uh, affiliated to these two. I mentioned that we are right now working on uh, the last steps of uh, Uh, One research uh, working on the Persian Gulf and uh, EU energy security perspective uh, from the Persian Gulf. And I hope that in near future, uh, we can release the report and then those who are interested in are very much welcome to read the report and then make comment, be in contact with us. Yeah, it's it's always open. This is Persian Gulf, as I said, and uh, always continuous flow of information and news are coming. All the, the listeners will be delighted to read your, your paper. Jabat, thank you so much for your time. So much for having me, and uh, I hope that in the future again, we can have uh, another conversation with more updates and with good news, hopefully, uh, from, from Persian Gulf and the world of energy. Oh, certainly we will. I am Juan Carlos Giraldo from Boston, United States. Thank you so much, everyone.